Hello, everyone, and welcome to the on-campus college planning. I am Tom Cleese, your your host. This is the podcast where we talk about everything college admissions, from from standardized testing to finding the right colleges to paying for colleges, all of those things that you want to know about. This is real college planning for real families like yours because it's the University of You not the University of Them. Welcome to episode six. This is going to be my shortest podcast ever, I promise. This is going to be just a a real brief introduction to the FAFSA. I'm calling it FAFSA in five. There are a lot of great resources out there, and I'm gonna point out a couple of those for you. What I'm hoping to do is just, number one, kind of dial this down in terms of maybe some of your fears or apprehensions about the FAFSA, give you a little bit of information, maybe a uh, a little push a little nudge to get started on this and and just help uh, kind of set the record straight on a few things. There are a lot of uh, myths, misconceptions, uh, a lot of crying and gnashing of teeth about the financial aid process, and there there really doesn't need to be. So uh, I hope you'll you'll just kind of relax a little bit, listen to me for a few minutes, and then certainly follow up with me for for questions. Um, this is this is really for parents and students. Um, who haven't filed this before. So you're a senior in high school and you you think you need to do this or something, uh, or you're a parent of a senior in high school or a junior, or or you just you just want to know because you got some kids coming up. Maybe you've even filed it. Maybe you're like me. You filed it a couple of times, but you need a refresher on a few things um, or a little nudge to move forward as well. So that's what it's about. I'm, I'm not going to be talking about a lot of uh, special circumstances. I, I watched a couple of different um uh, uh, webcasts and listen to some podcasts where people go into great detail. Some of them were, you know, hour, hour and a half long. That is not it. I'm not a FAFSA expert. I'm, I'm a dad that fills it out for his kids. Um, and I'm a college planner that, that knows enough about the FAFSA to tell you that you can do this yourself. We don't sell any kind of FAFSA services. I don't fill it out for anyone. Um, there are some people that help with that. And in some cases that might be warranted. But for the vast majority of people, this is definitely a do-it-yourself type of thing. So I want to give you some information about that. So here's what the FAFSA is. Um, It is the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. Let me say that again. The Free Application for Federal Student Aid. So a couple important points there. It's free, right? Don't, Don't go to a website where you have to pay to fill it out. Okay, and also make sure that you're going to the correct website. It used to be at FAFSA.gov. Now it's at studentaid.gov. If you type in FAFSA.gov, it's going to re, uh, redirect you to studentaid.gov. So that's fine. But there used to be some like FAFSA.com, some bogus websites and things like that. It is an application for federal student aid. But the way to really think about this is is like the first step in the financial aid process. You don't get money from the FAFSA. I, I've seen people post on on various discussion boards, um, hey, I filled out the FAFSA, like when do I get my loan? And that's not at all how it works. It's the first step. I think of it as, as like entering sort of a gateway, right? I'm, I'm on a journey, there, there are gonna be a number of steps, and this for most students, most families at most colleges, this is going to be the absolute first step in terms of the financial aid process, okay? So you don't get money from the FAFSA, but it helps determine what you're eligible for. If you're eligible for federal student loans, whether subsidized or unsubsidized, uh, a parent plus loan, you can't get a parent plus loan if you don't file the FAFSA, and and also federal grants such as a Pell Grant, and also federal work study. You know, work study at, at every college is a federal program, and so you're like, well, 
you know, such and such college, hey, just give my kid a job as part of his financial aid process. It'll make it easier. He doesn't have to go off campus, et cetera. That's a federal program. And those dollars uh, are tied to the FAFSA. So you really do need to fill this out. And I, I always get a lot of pushback um, kind of from the, you know, especially the dad who's like, ah, you know, we, we I do well. We wake, we make too much. We're not going to get any need. You should fill it out. Number one, it's not difficult. It, it takes about a half hour. There's going to be a couple of things that you need to to track down. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of in the middle of filling it out, and I, I still have to get a little bit of information, but it is not difficult at all. And there's absolutely no downside. I mean, unless you think that you don't have a half hour to spend. And and the reason why I absolutely recommend that you fill it out, even if you're a hundred percent sure. You know, you're you're Bill Gates. You're not getting any need based aid. Some colleges tie merit scholarships, which have nothing to do with need. They tie that to filling out the FAFSA. You know, I hate to tell this story, but I have to. You know, we didn't fill it out my freshman year. We being my parents, when you know, little Tommy Cleese was was a, a senior in high school. It, Dad had a real good job, and he just figured we don't need to do it and and tuition was a lot cheaper. I was going to a state public university. We didn't fill it out. And later when I got to campus, uh, I learned that had we filled it out that first time, we did every year after that, but had I filled it out that first time, we wouldn't have gotten any need-based aid, but I would have qualified based on, on my class rank and my grades uh, for a presidential scholarship at my university. It would have paid something like a third of my tuition the rest of my time. And I, I begged and pleaded, like, can I fill it out now once I got to campus? Can I do it for next year? No, you have to do it in the beginning. So please, please fill it out. It's not difficult. Uh, you're going to fill it out online. You can fill it out on your phone, but don't, okay? Just don't. You open up a, a browser, use a laptop uh, or a I guess a tablet, but once you use a laptop or a desktop, fill that out. You'll just be able to see it better. You're going to need to enter some information, and your student is going to need uh, to enter some information. And if you got multiple students, you're going to be entering a lot of information there. It's going to start with uh, with creating what's called a, an FSA ID, a FAFSA ID, basically, which is just you know kind of like a username, password, that type of thing. And you're you're going to need that. I've got you know. I've got a, a folder and I keep track of all this stuff because inevitably I go and I, I can't remember the password and, and we have to reset it and things like that. So just you know, do some good documentation, start a folder this year. Um, I'm also going to be talking just really briefly about something called the CSS profile. Just want to remind myself of that, but that's, that's a different form. And so let me just touch on that at the very end. So the FAFSA goes live every year on October 1st. Doesn't mean you have to line up October first and fill it out. You know, it is October 29th today. I'll get mine uh, turned in sometime next week and, and that'll be plenty good. Don't wait too long, but it's not like you have to be the first one in line to do this. What they're really looking for, they're looking for four things. They're looking for uh, parental income and parental assets and then student income and student assets. Those are the four primary categories. Now, the things that they're not looking for, okay, the FAFSA is not looking for things that, that are like the value of your home. That's not included in this. They are not looking at any, any retirement investments you have. So if you have a 401k, if you're like me and you're self-employed and you have a, a SEP, 
or if you if you work for um, uh, government, you've got a, a what is it a 503b any of those types of things those are going to be protected if if you just have some money in in stocks and you're kind of playing the market that's not going to be protected and by protected i mean you're going to have to report that and you'll have to report your your 529s as well those uh, are in your student's name but you actually are the owner but but don't sell those don't transfer those away that's not going to automatically uh discount you from from getting financial aid so the information that you really need to have with you, you need to know your your social security number you know and your student news this as well your driver's license number you're going to need your tax forms okay and so if it's you know so this is is 2021 and i'm filling it out for uh you know both my boys to go to school for next year so that's fall 2022 to 2023 academic year so i'm filling it out in the fall of 2021 for next year's financial aid right so for the 2022 but i'm using the 2020 taxes and they refer to that as prior prior year so it's sort of two years back from when you would receive the aid or or need the aid in that case and you you need to file it every year so you fill it out when your student is a senior and then uh you won't fill it out when your student is a college senior assuming he she or they uh, doesn't go on to grad school or or extend their education, but you will fill it out. It's it's easier the second time, the third time, et cetera, like that. So the documentation is is really no big deal. And one of the things that's extremely easy to use, if it works, doesn't always work. It's called the uh, data ret retrieval tool, DRT. Um, they came up with this maybe five six years ago and what it does is you you're filling out the fafsa and it's going to need to know like you know what's your adjusted gross income those types of things and it says hey do you do you want to do you want to link up with irs right now and kind of pull in that stuff because we'll just populate that for you and you have to agree to that and it tells you hey we're leaving the fafsa site and we're going to go over to the irs and so you have to log into that um, and you have to enter some information, but then it does pull that from your taxes. Now, sometimes it doesn't work. This year, it didn't work for me. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, but it was no big deal because I, I literally walked, you know, three feet to the filing cabinet and I pulled out my taxes and it and it asked for specific um, numbers on specific lines and it really didn't uh, take very long at all. So that's what they're looking for. It's it's fairly basic uh, tax and financial information. You might need some bank bank statements or access to your your online banking because there's some questions that are going to be very specific to the time you fill it out. You know what is your what is your cash on hand and and savings? You know as of today. So I don't want to get into games or whatever, but if if you're thinking about maybe making some kind of a purchase, um, you may want to do that the day before you fill out the FAFSA. I've I've had a lot of people say that you know we're going to where you know, our student's gonna buy a laptop and he, she, or they is going to buy it uh, right before we fill out the FAFSA. That's fine. Um, but just be aware that those are things that it's, it's going to ask because that's within the, the assets portion. Remember four things, parental income, parental assets, student income, student assets. If your student dil didn't fill out uh, a tax return last year, that's not a problem. It, it asks you if they plan to or if they have. And in most cases, most students aren't doing that. So that's not a problem, but they're going to have to do a little bit of uh, record keeping as well. Okay, so prior prior year, it's sort of two years back. And then what happens is uh, within a couple of days, usually within a week, you are going to get uh, another email. First, you'll get an email saying, hey, we got it. Thanks very much. Give us a little while. And then you're going to get what's called a student aid report or SAR. So a student aid report is really just kind of going to hold it up and say, um, is this what you said? 
and and it's really good to look through that if you need to make some changes you can but it's just going to kind of repeat back to you what you had and within that student aid report there's going to be a very important and really scary number okay so let's talk about that it's called your expected family contribute contribution your efc number expected family contribution here's what it's not it's it's not it's not a number that you automatically have to like open up your wallet and pay that it's it's not necessarily what you will pay for college it's the federal government and all its wisdom pause for irony um saying that we think according to our algorithms our calculations your family parents student should be able to um put forth this amount let's say your your expected family contribution is twenty thousand dollars and you're like wow we don't have twenty thousand dollars saved i don't have that in a bank account or whatever just don't panic because what that uh number does is is you tell it you tell the fafsa where to to send this to so if you're applying to even up to 10 schools and there's a way to get beyond that too but you're, you're applying to five schools and so you know you're a senior or a parent of a senior you're going to look up those five schools and and kind of enter those codes and then your student aid report with your efc is going to go out to those five schools and then they will use that as part of their financial aid process to determine what's called need now we'll get into that at a later date and actually if you if you go back to a, a newsletter that we sent out about a week and a half ago I've actually got some great video training um, uh, and I'm happy to share this with you that goes into much more depth on estimating costs of college and how to how to understand the EFC a lot better so if you're not on our, our uh, our newsletter you know pop me a note let me know we'll get you signed up for that and we'll send you out some some great content a couple of times uh, a couple of times a month along with this po podcast as well so your efc number is part of the financial aid process college x is going to deduct that from their cost of attendance to come up with need and then they're going to determine determine you know how they're going to put together a financial aid package so that's again that's a bigger discussion I went into that and I'll go into that more in future podcasts as well. So I get my SAR back, I check to make sure everything's good and then and then I just kind of wait for that. Now, a couple of things that pop up. Number one, I mentioned the CSS profile. So what is that? Well, it's a it's an alternative form that some colleges use. And I'm gonna rattle off some colleges in the Midwest where a lot of you folks are. And these colleges, um, as of the, the website I looked up on College Board, because the, the SAT folks, the AP folks, they're the ones that, that handle this CSS profile. Um, sounds like a crime show. Uh, so Beloit College, Lawrence University, Northland College in Wisconsin, in Illinois, it would be Illinois Wesleyan, uh, Northwestern University, University of Chicago, uh, Lake Forest, a um, couple other smaller ones that I don't get a lot of uh, students talking about, in Iowa, Hey, Hawkeyes, uh, Hawkeyes don't have to fill it out, but Grinnell, Loris, Northwestern of Iowa over in Orange City and Wartburg, and then in Minnesota, Carlton, Gustavus, McAllister, and St. Olaf. Let me run through those again. If you are applying to these, you're gonna need to fill out the CSS profile also. Beloit, Lawrence, Northland, Illinois Wesleyan, Lake Forest, Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, Northwestern in Orange City, Iowa, uh, University of Chicago, Grinnell College, uh, Loris College in Dubuque, uh, Wartburg, Carlton, Gustavus, McAllister, and St. Olaf. Oh, and then to our folks down in, in Missouri, um, St. Louis University, uh, Will, William Jewell uses it, and Washington University, WashU in St. Louis uses that as well. That's, again, that's a topic for a different day. 
and um, I'll consider doing a podcast for that. It's a little bit less relevant, but but still important. We'll try to push out some resources on that as well. Um, so just be aware of that. Now, th the biggest question that comes up for me uh, that I can help with in terms of the FAFSA is uh, is often from um, divorced parents, and they want to know: Do we both fill it out? Is just one of us who fills it out, et cetera? In fact, I just I just responded to. Uh, a couple of uh, great folks, some clients today about this very thing. All right. So if um, if you and your spouse or you and your partner are are divorced, legally divorced, the custody arrangement really doesn't play into this because a lot of people say, well, we have joint custody, so I don't know how to do this. Okay. Generally, there's just going to be one parent that fills it out. And it's going to be what the FAFSA refers to as a custodial uh, parent. And again, that's different from a legal definition. The FAFSA defines it as the parent with whom the student spent more nights in the previous year. Okay, so I, I assume that you don't have a checkbox of like how many nights that, that Johnny slept at your house versus um, her house, but you need to figure out where did they spend more time. And if it if, if it really is 50-50, then you're going to need to make a, a determination based on good faith of who is going to enter that information. So if um, if if I am divorced and my son spent more nights with me, I'm filling out the FAFSA. Um, my ex is not putting in any information. And uh, if I am remarried, that person's information will go on the FAFSA as well. So that's something to be aware of. If you are remarried and you are filing the FAFSA on behalf of your student, you need to include that information as well. The CSS profile is going to ask for both parents and spouses if you're remarried but that's something that's something different um, so that's a determination that you have to make and um, yeah is it is it better for the the parent who has less income and less assets to fill it out because they'll have a greater chance of of um, being eligible for some need-based aid yeah that's that's obviously correct that's just how math works I'm not going to make any kind of recommendations on on how you should determine this uh, but you and your your ex need to have a conversation about this to make sure that you're on board with this. And and the conversation or the the question that came to me this morning was, uh, you know, a person saying, and, and they're they're a family that I, I work with with both parents, and they're fantastic. They're both really engaged in this. It's it's great. Um, but they said, hey, I, I you know we determined that I should fill it out, but I didn't actually um, include the students on my tax return, um, my partner did last year. Is that still legal? And yes, it is. And, and so I just want you to understand there's, there are differences between, between IRS tax filing and, and legal custody in a court of law and what the FAFSA does. So you really need to pay attention to those as well. Okay, um, fill out the FAFSA. Just do it. If you're dragging your feet, just set aside an hour. You know what? The the Packers don't play this Sunday because they won last night. So that would be a great time. There's there's no good games on. So fill out the FAFSA. You know, sit down for a half hour or hour or at least get it started. That's usually the biggest hurdle for me. Is it's just one of those things that I I kind of avoid. And and when I finally like look through my fingers, you know, and stare at the monster, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And I always I always feel really good and very adult-like as a 56-year-old, very adult-like when I do start to fill it out. And and yeah, I've been getting a couple of emails saying, hey, you're not quite done, Tom. You're not that much of an adult. I'll get to you guys. Okay. I promise I'll get to you next week. 
I'll, I'll talk to my kids. We'll make sure we uh, dot all the I's and cross all the T's. That is the FAFSA in five and or 19 minutes. So uh, I guess I had more to say, but I, I hope you enjoyed that. If you've got questions about the financial aid process, please contact me, Tom at oncampuscollegeplanning.com. And you know what? The best thing, I, I love getting a call in the middle of the day. You know, I'm not always able to take your call if I'm with a student, but um, I try to get back as soon as possible. And and parents are always very like, well, I don't know if you have time to talk about this. You know, I'll set aside a half hour. We'll just, we'll talk about college. We'll talk about money in college, all of those things. Next week, the podcast is going to be about how to have that college money talk with your family. And this isn't parenting advice. This is college planning advice coming from a parent who's been down that path. So I hope you'll tune in for that. That's episode seven. We're wrapping up episode six, the FAFSA in five. I hope you've enjoyed that. If um, if you've got comments, get in touch with me. Set up a free consult. Uh, like us on whatever platform you're using, and we will see you again real soon. Uh, this is Tom. Go college. <laughs>